What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Vicarious with Daniel Signorelli and Charlie Ellers. This is going to be an absolute hilarious episode. We have some stories to tell from the weekend that we've just had in... Um, where do we stay, Daniel? Where do we go on the weekend? We're in the lovely Gilly Tea Island off the coast of Bali. Gilly Tea. Gilly Tea. More like Gilly 3. <laughs> Gilly 3, nearly 4. <laughs> what a weekend it was. Good times. Yeah. It was no, good. We have lots of stories to tell. Absolutely. Um, so the first part of the podcast, we're just going to be recapping that. Um, this podcast isn't really... We haven't planned too much for this. We're just going to be uh, riffing on... Um, the weekend that we just had, going to talk about how, what's it like actually living in Bali as a digital nomad, what have we found challenging, what have we really enjoyed, um, and then just see where the conversation takes us, a little bit off the cuff today. Mm, we've been sustaining this digital nomad lifestyle for a while now, so we've got some tricks, hacks, do's, don'ts, how we've been sustaining things and what we've found living in Bali, especially a few things in terms of price and lifestyle. There's a lot to unpack lots of stories to tell. Yeah, so I guess we'll start things off. First day in Gilly. So my mate, Simon Maloney, big fan of the show, Simon, big fan of the show. Um, he joined us for a weekend in Gilly. And uh, yeah, Friday we, we got there. And yeah, night one was big. Um, first night theme of gender bender, which to be honest, isn't the best theme. So theme as in, so when you say theme, we're talking about the hostel themes, the activities that they do on any given night. So could be pool party, gender bender, you know, like drinking games. This one was gender bender. And that involves swapping clothes with someone of the opposite sex in the hostel. In theory, it's a great idea. I see what they're trying to do, but... In practice... Yeah, there's nothing less, a shit show. nothing less attractive than, you know... A girl wearing moustaches and like baggy fucking shirts and hats like it. I, I, I went out and I went out hot, went out in a uh, really short skirt and a tank top. Um, me and Alan, shout out to Alan. What a guy. Um, Alan is a legend. Alan Carr, Carzy, big fan. Um, so yeah, we went out hot, me and him dressed up. And yeah, look, I mean, the theme itself is just, it's not ideal, let's be honest, but got a bit overexcited and uh, yeah, sort of went went a bit crazy on that first night, didn't I? A little bit crazy. So tell us a little bit about that. I feel like you have an alter ego. There's there's Daniel and then there's another character that comes out. Let's call him Mm. Damien. Simon referred to you as Damien and it comes out, he comes out, I think... After like probably the fifth drink, you just go from, you know, social, <laughs> walking around, social butterfly, and then you just hit a, yeah, Damien, just burst through the doors and... Um, I don't have control over Damien. Yeah, you don't have control over Damien, but he's the guy that you don't want other people to know that you're with. It's that <laughs> messy. Is it that bad? Is he's it that bad? Like, come on, come on. It's like, it's horrendous, but we love it there, here and there. We just don't love babysitting Damien. A little bit sloppy, a little bit sloppy. That's, that's a little sure. bit sloppy. Yeah, um, yeah, a little bit sloppy. Yeah, throughout the night you were doing really well up until there was a few drinking games, and then after I think it was like the la- like the third drinking game, and then you just started getting sloppy. You were dropping things. You were like full Damien. Yeah, you went full Damien. And I'm going to tell you guys a little bit of a story about how Damien ended up. I don't think Daniel wants me to share this. 
It was so. Oh, I would for feel ashamed. Sake. Don't, don't. What don't. Damien did. It's so bad. Don't so do we it. went to bed. Don't do it. <laughs> so <laughs> the night went on for a while. It was a big night. You know, we had gone out by this stage. We ended up back in the hostel dorm where it's you, me, and Simon. And then in the morning, I was out cold. In the morning, we wake up and. <laughs> I noticed there was a puddle on the floor and I'm thinking, what, what is that? I didn't even think about it much. But I looked around, I was like, hang on, there's no drink bottle there. There's like, no, this water's been spilled. And then Simon reports in the morning that you were standing, <laughs> you were standing in the middle of the dorm room, just grunting and that you'd pissed yourself standing up. Yeah, look, I don't can't confirm or deny whether that happened or not. Um, we're still the jury's still out on that. They we're still looking into possible uh, alternatives, but yeah, it would. Let's yeah, just but say I think, the, I think the case has been closed. Let's no, just think, say I that. Think, yeah. uh, let's say that that first night beat me. I lost the first night. Yeah, it, it was hostel one, Daniel zero. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things, right? Why do we feel like we need to get so drunk when we go out? Like, why? Like, I don't yeah. need to get. I don't need to drink that much, but I still. We don't need to, to drink do- that much. Yeah, we don't need to drink that much, but like, you find that after the first couple of drinks, you start chasing the the feeling. Mm. You chase the night, and then a you get bit. stuck in the cycle, and then you chase the night a little bit, and then before you know it, you're incoherent, you're paralytic. You can barely have a you know, string a conversation together. And that's not the stage you want to be at, especially in a social sit- like setting. Yeah. I think it's just getting a bit excited. First night in Gilly, you know, the Bintangs are going down. I was trying to keep up with Alan, which was never a smart idea. The, um, the Irish can put away two drinks for every one. That it only mm. was going to end one way, but I, st- I knew exactly how it was going to end and I still chose to make that decision. And it's weird. I mean... It's not, it's like, I don't need extra confidence. I don't need extra bravado, but I still like just, I like the feeling. I don't know. It's weird. I think I would do better if I was sober, honestly, but I still choose to indulge, which is fine. But, you know, I think people drink because they need that extra. Most people drink, most people, most guys drink to get that extra like layer of confidence. Um, But when you're in a hostel, when you're in that environment, you really don't need to get smashed, but... You really you know, don't. In the end, it's, I mean, it's, I don't know what it is. It's, uh, it's something that I think I've always done. I've always just gone, you know what, let's just get absolutely, let's just send it. And then you go to a point where like, you're really good. You're feeling amazing. You're like on top of the world. And then all it takes is that one too many and you fall off a cliff. And that was what happened mm. in night one, um, which was, yeah, it was still a fun night though. Um, anyways, we move on to night two, day two, and we did, we decided to go to the beach and consume a little psilocybin, a little bit of the old mushroom, mushroom of the magic variety. Um, and what an experience. I mean, honestly, magic mushrooms, they're not even, I don't even classify them as a drug. It's honestly just an, it's just like a fun, fun experience. You're just happy laughing. Um, it's not. You're never out of control. I mean, especially when you, you know, know how mm. much to do, right? So we, we took a few shroom shakes, exactly. which are like perfectly legal and available in Gilly Tea. Um, we went with, it was us two. We mm. had Simon with us and Alan. And then I believe it was 
three of the girls from the hostel, three of the reps, four of them, I think, no, three, three of the reps from the hostel. And yeah, we went down to the beach and just, I remember sitting on that beach, I think it was sort of towards the end of the evening and just, I remember keep saying like, life just does not get better than this. Yeah, um, but that's the thing. Mushrooms are what you make it. And we went from laughing at everything to just like being in awe of our surroundings. You know, you're mm-hmm. in the beach, you're looking at Lombok, the mountains and the clouds and everything. And then there's like between those philosophical thoughts. And every time, like it's, it was like every five minutes, we'd just go back into the conversation of like, hang on, we are in our prime enjoying life so much. Um, opportunities at our fingertips all this like all that philosophical talk that you have and then the conclusion to that conversation every time was like wait life actually doesn't get better than this like it actually doesn't get better it than honestly this. doesn't I think it was my yeah. my way of reminding ourselves to be present in that moment you know and the funny thing is is when you're on you have a bit of magic, magic mushrooms you know you're never really going to your phone you're never going to your phone to check instagram scrolling through it felt weird to go on my phone and look through reels because i remember saying to alan i remember saying i would go on my you'd be going on your phone scrolling through instagram reels and looking at people doing exactly what you're doing right now sitting on a beach in paradise and so yeah i mean the conversation when you're you know um on mushrooms is just it's very like it's appreciative you know, you show gratitude for, for where you're at um, to be able to just do that. Like a lot of people can't and don't and, and won't ever experience that. And I think constantly just reminding ourselves that like this is amazing and like we're in our, almost the peak of our lives, like 29, 30, mm. you know, on an island in Bali and just around great company as well. I think that's important too, right? It's mm. not about what you're doing and who you, where, where you are, but who you're with. Um, yeah, like the, another thing that we kind of re- touched on was that the, to us, um, it's this wasn't even a holiday. This is our our life. So you know, and I think a lot of people fall into this idea that you can work your whole life to someday enjoy paradise and do these things when they're older. But we are living this now as young men, and it's our reality. And that, when you have that present realization on the beach there, on mushrooms, it was just like, it's incredible, really, when you really think about it, you're really present with that idea. Like you mentioned someday, right? Someday is honestly the word of mediocrity. Mm, exactly. Someday it's the I dream will, killer. Someday I will quit my job and I will f- chase a passion. I will quit my job and I will do something I love. Someday I will take that holiday that's, I've wanted to take or someday I'll backpack Southeast Asia and it's someday I'll honest, take a risk and start a business that I'm kind of scared to do because I feel like I'll be judged yeah. by other people someday. someday someday I'll ask that girl out or I'll message that girl that I've you know wanted to talk to for forever like it's the epitome of mediocrity epitome of just the status mm. quo doing exactly what you're gonna you know every, everyone else is doing so yeah now, the mushroom experience was, like, super interesting. It was fun. I had a bit of an interesting moment where I thought I was <laughs> – we had a hospital visit because my arm was uh, – Well, ho- my hospital. Arm was, my arm felt – Hospital. Yeah, mm-hmm. hospital. A guy sitting in a chair with the word medical in front yeah, of it. As so, I went up to official. him and I was like, hey, look, I think I'm having a heart attack. Um, 
I can't feel my arm, my pinky and my fingertips are all numb. My arm felt like it was about to explode. And he was like, oh, no, you're okay. Uh, do you want some cream for that? I was like, <laughs> I don't think cream's going to solve the problem. As long as I'm not going to die, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, when the, when the doctor thanks, offers, you, no thanks. offers you cream for a potential heart attack, you know you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Yeah, definitely safe hands. But I definitely eased my nerves after that. So... We continued, had a good night, turned it into something good. But for people listening and interested in trying something like mushrooms, it can, the idea of it can be quite scary to a few people. I know the first time I tried it, I had these thoughts. What would be, what would be some things that, you know, like you'd consider? Mm. What would you say to someone who was really hesitant? They kind of weren't into that, not really into drugs, bit of a straight edge. Um, yeah. But they were, they were interested in taking mushrooms. What would you say to them? I would say the first thing is is make sure you're doing them with people you know and trust. At least one or two people. 100%. Like, yes, we were doing them with girls we just met, but like you and Simon have known for like 15 years. And then obviously Alan has become a good mate. Um, I wouldn't do them on my own for the first time. So... Like no. always in, I wouldn't do them in a big group of people I don't know at all. Like say you meet a massive group of people and everyone's taking them. I would, I would wait to do them with people that, that you know quite well. Um, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta know, you gotta re- be able to relax into who you are massively. You can't be, you can't have that social pressure. You gotta be totally in trust with everyone around you to just let go and just have fun. Mm. I think that's like a make or break for the experience. If you do have that. It's like you are guaranteed to have an amazing time as long as you don't take too much. Taking too much, like don't go in and take, don't be a hero. Um, yeah, don't flex. Don't try and be hardcore with this stuff. Like mushrooms are no joke if you take too much. You will freak out. You could freak out, have a bad experience. Just take the medium amount, not too much, not too little. You want to feel it and have fun. But it's, yeah, take a good amount, have the right environment. On the beach is an amazing it's an amazing place to do it because you're just in nature. Yeah, I would definitely say the environment as well, not just the people, but where you're doing it. Don't, I wouldn't do it in like a, a room, like at all. I mean, obviously you, you got to be outside in nature, whether that's the beach or in a park. I think that's a no brainer. Um, you know, if you're hesitant, do a little less than what you feel you, other people are doing, especially depending on your size too. Like to give you an idea, there was a girl with us who's 20 years old and had never done it. And she's like, a string bean, like really skinny, like, you know, light. So you would obviously do, you know, someone like her versus like a hundred kilo male, it makes a huge difference. So you would probably do, you know, a hundred kilo male who's never tried it before will probably do more than a 50 kilo female who has never done it before. Right. So it's, it's, Mm. it it depends on the person. Um, And if you don't, if you don't want to do it, then don't let people force you do it because you're not going to, you want to have you like you said before, Charlie. You want to be able to let go and just wherever the mush wherever the mushrooms take you, you you're happy to go there. Mm. I'll be honest. I've done it a few times and I've never gotten to the point where I was uncomfortable. I always am a lot more cautious of how much I'm doing up front. I would never just go fuck it. Let's go crazy. There's no point because honestly, the best thing no. about the mushroom trip is the laughter. Like everything's hilarious and just that. Yeah. It, you know, I don't want to get. I don't want to start hallucinating unicorns and shit. I, I just want to be so present and laugh with my mates. Mm. It really, I love the presence it gives you. And it shows you like, I love how you can enjoy absolutely everything and anything. 
because of how present you are. It's like the old, that's why it's like, it's just an amplified human experience. That's what, that's yeah. how it feels to me anyway. Night three at Gilly Castle, that was our last day, um, was a very action packed day. Um, the body was sore. The body was hurting a little bit after the second night. Um, yeah, it but was. we pushed on. Yeah, the third day, by the third day, I was like, I'd had enough. I was like, I'm done. And then, you know, everyone was getting in, like, everyone was in the mood. There was a pool party at the hostel. Lots of people were there. I thought, you know, let's just go for one. This is the last night in Gilly Tea. Let's make the most of yeah. it. Yeah, pool parties are always, uh, pool parties are great. You know, day, I honestly prefer day events now. Like day events, mm. set up the night and also you can, you know, you don't have to wait till six, seven o'clock to start socializing and, and having a good time. Like nothing like alcohol and a, and a body of water to, to loosen everybody up. And in terms of, so Daniel, like in terms of party hostels and places, mm. hostels that you've stayed at, where would you rank Gilly Castle? That's a good question. I'd say, yeah, Gilly Castle was up there. Um, we certainly, days one and two, like when it came to like the reps, that was, was really good. Um, day three was fun in general, but I would say like, look, if I had to go three, my, if I had to rank my top three party hostels well globally, I would say Gilly Castle probably sits just outside. But I would say my, number, my third favorite is going to have to be uh, the Madhouse in Prague really fucking fun place i went there in may this year and it was it was lit um what was sec- it what how like what was it why was uh, it so good it was just like every night so it was a free dinner every night um for the hostel so a free family dinner is always a great way to get people to just mingle and and, and have a chat um so it was free yeah free family dinner everyone would sit around the table it was a huge table and then straight after that you'd start playing drinking games and you know the, the, the hostel would just come to life and then they would gather everyone around 11 o'clock at night and it would just be a, you'd take you to a different bar. So you'd go to a nightclub or a bar and then a, and a club after that. Um, so I was there for two nights with uh, a Yub, Yubi, Yubi Doo. Um, and yeah, really good time. Uh, number two, I would say would be the Yes Hostel in Lisbon. Fucking phenomenal hostel. Did you get Brent- lots of yeses there, did you? <laughs> few yeses not many objections few a few uh com- right. a few commitment yeses not too many counterfeit yeses um okay <laughs> but yeah so it was i mean that one was great because every night they did like um the same pub crawl every night like if you worked there it would, you would just get fucking bored because it's the same one but when you're there for two nights it was just like basically it was like happy hour seven till nine so it was like all you can drink sangria and or beer for two hours straight it was nuts. And then they would leave at 11 o'clock. Yeah, that would, far, uh, that would bring out Damien in me. Yeah, Damien did surface a, uh, a couple of times there. Um, Made an appearance. Yeah, the hostel was just generally like pretty lit though. The, and, the, and the hostel itself is all really modern. So I got to sort of that factors into it, I would say, in terms of just like really good facilities and they had a really good sort of social scene. And uh, number yeah, one, okay. the GOAT. Number one party hostel, Mad Monkey Seam Reap. If you know, you know. Mm. Yeah, that place was wild. There was like, because not just that they were running night, nightly events, but during the day as well, there was people drinking from like 10 in the morning. Um, 
Mm. Now, obviously, that's not for everyone, right? Like some people don't come traveling to just start drinking in the morning. I mean, that's absolutely fine. But if you're if if you if I'm telling if I'm giving you my top party hostels, that's CM Reap Mad Monkey has to be up there. Um, you know, and I ended up meeting one of a, a Swedish guy there, Marcus, who may be listening to the podcast. Maybe if you are, don't for, I've never forgotten Marcus. Don't worry, we'll still uh, <laughs> we'll always have we'll always have Cambodia, Cambodia. Yeah, always fond memories of that place. But out of I would say all of those, I would say Gilly Castle has got to be up. You know, maybe four or five. Yeah, I thought it was great. I I haven't stayed at as many hostels as you have. Um, I've stayed at, you know, the Mad Monkey Hostel through Cambodia and some in Vietnam as well. And yeah, I loved, I thought they were amazing. Gilly Castle was just a good time, especially on the Sunday night. Like the first two nights were pretty shit. I think we made that, we made a night of that ourselves. Um, like we just <laughs> sent it. So yeah, we, we kind of made it fun. Um, but yeah, no, I had a great time. The Sunday night, I think, was really cool. And it's also really close to Tequila Sunrise, the clubs that yeah. you buy. And those are a fucking good time. Those were just like... I think the layout yeah, of awesome. the, the island, like, in terms of a, if you're going there to have a good... To, have a, to party, right? That we're kind of, that's kind of what we're, we're basing this around. Of course, there's other reasons to go to Gilly Tea, but if you're basing around, like, if you're young, you know, wanting to have a good time... I think the layout of the island is just amazing. I mean, it's so... Everything's within walking distance. So you go, you know, a 15-minute walk from the hostel and you're at the bar, like the main bar. And there's only really one or two to choose from, whereas, you know, in other cities and big cities, there's so much choice. So people spread out more, whereas Gilly Tea, it's like you go... Basically, everyone goes to the one bar, Tequila Sunrise, and then there's, like, one other bar after that that's open. And it's, like... So, you know, the, le- the, the fact that there's less options means that pretty much everyone on the island that's going out is going to the same place, um, which I think is, it, it works out fairly well. Okay, we have a few topics that we are still yet to cover. One of them is our observation of hot girl names. The girl's names that when you hear them, you just think that has to be a hot girl. Daniel, what are your top three? Just out of curiosity. So I would say... Okay, three. What's number three? Number three, I'm going with Carmen. Now, it's a front of mind. This is a new one. I think this is a new development. (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, may have met a girl called Carmen in Gilly T, may not have. Um, But Mm. I actually was going to put this on my list before because Carmen is just, I I only know a handful of Carmens, but they're all good looking. Like, especially if it's spelt with a K. Carmen spelt with a K, you're going to ruin my life. Um... Yeah. What's your number three? Okay, my number three would be Demi. Oh, Demi, yeah. Demi. Abs- like the only, and the only reason I've just met some really attractive girls called Demi, and that's the only thing I can base it off. I mean, that's what, that's what we're basing it off, hot girl names. They're, they're basing it off their looks, unfortunately. This is a purely superficial mm. uh, <laughs> exercise at this, <laughs> at, this, at this point. Completely superficial, completely subjective. I've seen that like J names are like the equivalent for guys. So if you've got a name starting with J, apparently you are a good looking dude. All right. Number three was Demi. Number two, mm-hmm. I'm going to go number two for me. Number two is a bit of a tie. I don't know if this is allowed, but I'm going to go with Tilly and Abby for number two. Equally, I would say they've got to be up there. Um, can't really say I've met a bad looking girl called Tilly or Abby. Uh, my, my number two would be Harriet. 
Harriet. Yeah. Okay. How many Harriets do you know? <laughs> <laughs> like two. Okay, okay. So it's a small sample size, but yeah. they're 100%. Um, number one, we've got the same name for number one. And it's a, we'll give you the full name and then we'll give you the nicknames because that'll clear it up. So number one hot girl name, Alexandra. But yeah. on its in a, on, on its own, it's yeah. not necessarily a hot girl name, but like, let's wait, wait for it. So Alexandra, anything short for Alexandra is going to ruin your life. And that's going to be Alex. Yeah. Lexi, Lexa, Alexia. Yeah. Any of the above. Holy shit. Half my assets gone. That's it. <laughs> Half my assets gone. Take my, t- <laughs> shut up and take my money. Um, yeah. Yeah. Take I got to say, take money. like Go Lexi on. or Lexa, that's. Yeah, that's going to be number one for me. Now, let's talk about how we're sustaining. Yeah, let's talk about how we're sustaining our lives here in Bali. We've been here for a couple of months now. um, And we've definitely seen the amazing benefits and some of the drawbacks. So, like, how, what are some of your benefits that you found living here in Bali, Dan? Oh, for, it's got to be the price, the cost of living, first and foremost. Cost of living? Compared yeah. to like the, my last city that I lived in, like which was London, it is like a quarter of the cost. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I like mean, one of the most unaffordable places to live. Yeah, and honestly, like I don't. I try and just. I try and find one person in London. Like, can you explain to me why you like living in? Like, what is it? What do you get from London that you can't get in, say, Sydney or any other city, big city? Because for me, it's like London has great restaurants and bars, but Okay, so does a lot of other massive cities around the world that offer a lot more. And it's just like, yeah, it was one of those things that I'm glad I did it because I now know what I don't like in a city. And obviously, I That's, moved there. I mean, I think a lot of, I think a cool thing about London is it's so close to other, so many countries like Italy, Spain, Croatia. It's so, and France, like you can get on a train or a, small, a short flight and then be in a completely different country. I think that is appealing to me. So you're telling me the best thing about the city is to not be in the city. And that is the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, like to circle back to Bali, I think, yeah, cost of living is great. I mean, the thing with Bali, though, is people will come here and be like, oh, my God, Bali's expensive. No, it's not expensive. It's not. Oh, my God. It annoys me so much when people say that. Bali's not fucking expensive. Like the basic white girl version of an expensive Bali is like, let's go to Mexicola, Potato Head, W, like all these common mainstream tourist traps where they're paying premiums on Western prices for the same experience that you could get in a major city in Australia. Of course it's going to be expensive. You've just fallen for the trap. The rest of Bali is a completely different story. The locals aren't silly. You know, they know that the Aussies coming here for a weekend, they're going to go to places like Potato Head and, you know, Finns Beach Club and Uluwatu Cliff House mm. and spend hundreds of dollars on a night out, um, you mm. know, just to, say, just, for the, just to say, I mean, just for the sake of it. I, I don't, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Like, there's yeah. a time and a place to do that. I think the thing you need to consider is that Bali's not really that expensive. You just, you're looking for, in the wrong place. You know, like most of the time, a meal that I'm like, most of my meals here are going to sit between a dollar fifty and five bucks, and five bucks is mm. kind of on the high. Now, 
if you go out for drinks and you go out for a night out, yeah, you're going to spend a decent amount. But if you're just looking for a meal and like a good quality local food, you're, you're going to spend between a dollar and five bucks. Um, you know, a dollar being the very cheapest you can possibly get. Five bucks being kind of the average. Yeah. But it's honestly, it's something that kind of annoys me about people coming here. They're like, yeah, no, Bali's gotten really expensive. It's like, not really. You're just going to the wrong places. Um but I'll throw that back to you. What's been what's one thing you've enjoyed so far? That is it apart from cost of living, like what what's something that you've yeah, really enjoyed? Apart from, well apart from cost of living, uh <clears throat> it's really easy to live well here. And when I say live well, I um, you know, value like healthy lifestyle, active, going to the gym, eating good foods. I think that's quite easy to do here. We've joined a CrossFit gym. And we've been going pretty much every single day. Like my, yeah, my fitness has seen a massive uptick, which has been really cool. And it's easy to get around places. You can just jump on your bike and just nip to wherever you want. Like go to a waterfall. There's always something amazing to see here. Um, especially in never far Ubud. from a really authentic Bali experience. Yeah, especially, especially in Ubud, yeah. I think people get confused with Bali. You know, they think of Bali as, as honestly like Seminyak, like... I'm going to Bali, yeah. But Bali is huge, first of all. And also, you know, it's, it's overflowing with natural beauty and things that you can do that don't involve, you know, going to beach clubs. Um, you know, Bali is to Australia what Ibiza is to the UK for a lot of Australians. Mm. Um, but that's what we found too is like living in Ubud, you're basically it's too far for people that are only here for a weekend. So a lot of the time you're here, it's Europeans and um, locals. And that's kind of what makes Ubud really special. And there's so much natural beauty. Like you went to a waterfall yesterday, like, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was cool. I love it. It's a really nice waterfall. I think another thing for me is the plus mm. side is being around like-minded people. Like everyone you meet here in Ubud is yeah. like doing something different they're working on something that might be an online business being you know coaching they might be you know trying to make it as something else something different than what everyone back in their home country is doing and mostly 90 percent of the people have no fucking clue they're just trying to they're just trying at least right they're just making it they're having yeah, a crack. some people are yeah some people are at like they are exercising their someday now. It's really yeah. cool to see that. You know, they're trying, they're starting a business or they're doing something. And a lot of people here are actually really successful, like really yep. bright, successful people. And having conversations with people like that is really, you know, it's inspiring. It, is, it sets yeah. you straight, reminds you that you're on the right track yourself, you know, because yeah. especially in business, like um, with what I do, it's, you got to be disciplined and you got to be, you can't just treat this like a massive holiday. It has to, you have to have some sort of accountability. Um, so yeah, having like-minded people that are, you can talk to that do that is really powerful. But you're not, yeah. you don't feel like the black sheep out here when you, when it's like, if you go home, you feel like you're the lone wolf in what you, you're choosing to, to do with yourself. And like here, it's like, you're just, mm. everyone else is doing something similar. Um, and it's a cool, it's kind of cool. It's a re- reassuring that, you know, you're not, on your own um yeah yeah let's um talk about some negatives though because it's not all it's not all positives right it's not it's not all perfect right and you can sometimes get a bad you get a bad interpretation of how good life is in in working online on as a digital nomad yeah 
It's not all sunshine and rainbows, yeah. I think some of the negatives here with this this whole thing is that, um, well, firstly, it takes your body a bit to adjust to the different weather and the climate and the food, um, obviously. Like, when you get you come to Bali, you're probably going to get Bali belly, so you're going to be shitting yourself for the first week. And then, like, after you get past that, you might get something else you know i've just recovered from some random cold that i picked up and i you know i don't know what it was but there's that but you get past that so um another thing would be it's just so hot like it's well it's humid perth at this time of the year um is scorching hot so it's better than perth but it's always humid like you're always you know, a little bit shiny. Mm. If you spend more than like 15 minutes walking outside, you'll, you'll be sweating profusely. Um, yeah. Even if it's yeah. not like activity, you're like just walking. Um, a negative for me is, you know, there are a lot of people here that have lived here for some time and complaining about the fact that it's just so touristy. So like... Yeah, negative so negativity like people that have they're almost like jaded because oh my god like bali isn't what it was once at once upon a time it's like shut the fuck up you are one of the part of the reason why this is the case right you're you living yeah, here don't and, complain you're part of the problem but it's fine i mean like i just don't sit on a high horse and be like oh my god like bali is getting out of control no you're you're you've contributed to that you know, just because you've yeah. lived here for three years and now you think you're a local, like, you know, you're, you're living, you're contributing to the fact that there's, Bali's getting more expensive, right? It's just this, like, righteous, like, people just think, like, the negative, the, the complaining about tourists when you're a fucking tourist, that yeah, pisses me off. Yeah. They're literally an expat. Like, they think that they're above you because they've spent more time here when really, yeah. they're, the very thing they're complaining about, they are contributing <laughs> to. You're literally the problem. Another thing is um, yeah. we're living in a nice place, but there's always something wrong with the place. So, for instance, like the plumbing, yeah. like <laughs> the toilets aren't flushing right or the <laughs> internet cuts out, yeah. you know, um, there's always bugs in the house. That's, yeah, I mean, that's a big kind of thing. Not mozzies everywhere. Yeah. All right. Now, another topic um, that we really wanted to cover in this episode is guy math. We've all heard about girl math. We've all heard about girl math. But guy math, mental accounting. Um, I find myself doing this all the fucking time. <laughs> and you call me out on it, Charlie. Well, so, you know, what the fuck is guy math? Guy math is almost worse than girl math. So girl math is like, if you find money in your car, well, then that's free money that you have now. They're like free coupons. If you buy a piece of clothing and then return it, the money you get, you made money. Right. Guy math, guy math is a bit different. And we've been, we've really experienced it here in uh, living in Bali. Um, things are very cheap here. Some things are very cheap. Some things are very expensive. Now, guy math is different in that, let's say there's something that we want. Let's say it's a gym membership. That's $300 for a month. But we really want that. It's up there in our values. Expensive, right? Really expensive. $300 yeah. for a whole yeah. month of gym yeah. and recovery center, yeah. meeting people, right? Expensive. However, when we, then Friday night rolls around. Yeah. 
and we have no problem throwing 100, 200 bucks down the drain on alcohol. Like it's nothing. Like, oh, it's just, we, we don't give it a second thought. Yeah. Another example of Guilty. guy math is that if we go get dinner and let's say the dinner is like $3, okay? These are some of the prices we're paying for dinner, $3. Um, if there's an item on there that's $4, we'll be like, no, nah, like better not, like not $4, $3. It's yeah. shockingly... It's shocking. It's so stingy in a bad way. But then, you know, like, you, we think we're getting ripped off when we're paying $7 for a meal because of taxes or something. And then we'll go spend $100 in the weekend yeah. without even thinking yeah. twice. There's no logic there at all. No, nah, no logic. Mental so accounting. I'm the, I've, got my C, I've got my CPA in mental accounting. <laughs> yeah, same. I'm highly qualified in that region. Chartered mental accountant. When you know you have to pay for something, uh, you know the expense is coming. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. You, you, there's something you want to buy. Let's say, for example, protein powder. No, I get it, dude. Like, we always say, like, we always, you know, let's say you're getting paid in a day and you've just spent a massive amount of money on the weekend and you want to go buy protein powder and you're just like, no, 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 I'll wait to get my protein powder until I get paid because even though it's the exact same amount of money coming out of your account or... Like I had to get a visa. I had to get my visa the other day, which was $280. And I was just like, ah, oh, fuck it. Like I had a big weekend in Gilly. I spent a shit ton of money. I'll just wait till Tuesday because I get paid on Tuesday, even though it doesn't make any difference to my situation if I pay if I do it now or later. Classic, classic mental accounting. Yeah, in my mind, it makes a difference. Because you're mentally accounting for the expense. No, another topic that we've... Uh, we've chatted about recently is girls in relationships emotionally cheating. Now, can you shed some light on this, Charles? Because you got a bit of an Instagram presence. You know, you're a bit of a, uh, you know, a Perth influencer, a big deal, Perthonality. Um, some girls are sort of sliding into your DMs over there. You got the blue tick. What's your, I mean, yeah, what is emotionally? I mean, what's your view on that? I mean, put it this way. If the partners of the girls in my DMs saw the messages that they were sending me, they would be, as, as boyfriends, I'm sure they would be furious. Yeah. I certainly would be if I was in their shoes, 100%. And as, you know, a guy getting these messages, sometimes I'll look at them and I'll be like, okay, like, there's nothing obvious on their account. It doesn't look, look, they're not telling me that they're in a relationship little back and forth chats, no, no, no mention of a boyfriend, no mention of a partner. And then you just have a little dig, you look through their account and you're like, oh, okay, they're tagged in, in something. And the boyfriend's account, she's all over his account. It's like they've yeah. got the initials and the love heart going on, the profile pic with both of them, clearly in a relationship. So I look at that and I'm like, this is really interesting. And I'm not targeting anyone specifically i'm just saying that this is something that i've noticed and yeah. it's kind of scary at how common it is it's more common than i thought it would that it was that cheating is not necessarily just a physical thing cheating doesn't necessarily have to be physical if you are having provocative conversations with other men how is yeah. that you know that is an emotion you're you're forming an, a, an emotional connection with a with that guy 
And I think for women, the emotional side of things is what holds all the weight. Yeah, absolutely. Most girls don't try, don't cheat straight away. You know, they they develop a connection with someone else first, and then they're almost checked out of the relationship. I'm not going to claim to be a saint over here. Like I've, you know, done the old message whilst in a relationship. It's just, it's just pointless. I mean, like it's honestly fucking pointless. Like there's, what are you hoping to get out of it? One of the things I wanted to talk about a while ago was like what I've learned from past relationships, which I think is a great topic. But for me, f- for me, it's like, don't message other girls while you have a girlfriend. Like there's no point unless you intend to literally like meet up and cheat on them. Like what's the fucking point? What do you get out of it? It's validation. What validation do you get from messaging a girl while you have a girlfriend? And I honestly cost me pretty badly. But the thing is, is like, I mean, it's good. I think every time you do make mistakes like that, it's like you do learn from them. And I, and like, I've certainly learned from mine, but I would say like, I think for girls in relationships that have boyfriends, like if you go out of your way to message a guy, I'll be honest with you. If that guy, if that guy receives a message from you, he's thinking to himself, I think she's interested. I think she's keen. Yes, 100%, especially if it's your Instagram DM and they have reached out to you. If you're not mates, like if you're not in, like in, a, in your immediate circle of friends and you DM a guy that you're not really that close with or your boyfriend doesn't know, I think that constitutes as a little bit of emotional, emotional cheating. And it, obviously it can be a one-off thing. You know, maybe she really liked a piece of your content. But if it's constantly happening over and over... You know, what's, it's, it's a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. I would say I probably wouldn't want my girl doing that, but. Yeah, I guess it, like it can be different if you're a content creator and you create lots of content and sometimes they respond to it that, but they respond with the idea in the content that you made specifically. They're not like Mm. messaging you about yourself and how you're going, what you're up to. Yeah, that's that would be the line that I would draw. We know friends who who are in situations where they're you know they're dating someone in a relationship, long term relationship. Yeah. Um, and you know they are well and truly engaged emotionally with someone else. To watch no, it from the sidelines is kind of sad. Um, but all you can hope for is like the best for both of them. Well, you know what I think as well is though, is like the concept of inertia, right? So if you're in a relationship, a long-term one, and it's not going well, you know you need to end it, but you just can't find, you can't find the strength to do so. It stems from that concept of inertia where like an object, something in motion can only go back the other way when it meets a, an object from the other side, equal amount of force, right? So you need to really want to change, like really. And it has, it takes so much effort just to change course. Every, every month longer that you leave it, it's going to be, it's going to be exponentially harder. It's not equally as hard, exponentially harder. That's why the someday thing comes back into the picture. Stop doing the someday excuse. It will yeah, never benefit To turn that you. train around, it is just going to take a lot more effort. Yes, we get it. It's hard. We get it. It's not going to be easy. It's going to suck. Even if you're making the right decision, it's going to fucking suck balls. It's the worst thing ever, but it will be, it will benefit you long-term. So it's like always going to be worth it. What's another thing you've learned from your past relationships? 
Uh, I'm putting you on the spot because we haven't really discussed this top with in like at all. So this is just a off the off the cuff question. Um, Big one is like don't ignore the red flags early on. I think that is one yeah. of the biggest yeah. fucking mistakes that young men make in relationships. Um, I used to think there was. I used to like there was a point in my early twenties when I like I'd been in a short like a fling and then a little relationship there. And um, I was like single and I was like, I felt like there was something wrong with me because I was single. Like, why am I not in a relationship? To me now that I can laugh at that mindset because it's just so flawed. Um, but it it ended up in like selecting women who weren't suited to me at all. Um, and you And you fall into the trap of dating someone out of the fear of, being uh being alone um so that's that's a big mistake another one is like i've learned that you will never as well this is just my experience if if i'm serious about someone i will never step out on them it's that simple if i'm serious about the person that i'm in a relationship with the wondering eye doesn't exist um if you're dating someone that you're not sure about and you're trying to change your mind because you're comfortable likely likelihood is you're going to have a wondering eye that's why again selecting the right person is everything i think for me is like you need to the longer you're in a relationship the more you need to invest in it complacency is a fucking issue like if you're if you think that you're comfortable in a relationship you're really secure in it you guys are going well Never think that it's so comfortable that you don't have to put the effort in to make it work. Hmm. Because the minute you become complacent, um, she could fl- flip the script on you. And then you could think, well, what's going on here? Hang on. I thought, I thought you were obsessed with me kind of thing. I thought this was, this was fine. There were no issues here. Yeah. Why, why have you all of a sudden yeah. changed up yeah. on me? And the reason is that you stopped putting in the effort. You need it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that. And I think like, you know, the first six months you have to put almost zero work in because it's just effortlessly perfect. And then every six months or three months after that, you need to like work extra hard to like make sure that, you know, and that's just through like communicating more, I think. And that's something I did not do, but, you know, just like openly communicating about things that aren't working right now. Like, are we having enough, you know, are we intimate enough? Like, if we're not, okay, what's happening? Why is that? You know, why is that? Because there wasn't a fucking problem three months in, you know, it was almost the other way. Yeah, you know, we're doing it, you're doing it too much. But then now after a year, it's like, oh shit, you know. So I think as a 30-year-old next year, someone like that's been through it, gone through the block a little bit now, it's like that's something that is super calm, super, super on my mind. And I remember talking to Gabby about this about the cop, the prospect of like that's now that now that it's so front of mind it's like i'm almost like so aware of it that like it could even be more of a problem it's like okay because it's happened it happens all the time right you, you date someone for a while and then all of a sudden you're not feeling it as much you're not like and then one day becomes three days becomes five seven you know compounds and again that it's hard to turn that around. You need to really make an effort. I think that just comes from investing a little bit more and communicating better. Um, so I think it's something I'll take to my next, next relationship if and when that ever happens. 
It's Another uh, one, just uh, the last one that I have is like, especially as a as a man, is your ability to listen. Because a lot of the time, if a woman has a, something like a problem or they come to you, they're stressed out or frustrated, um, it's easy just to go into savior mode. You want to fix their problem for them. This is a massive guy thing. I used to be like this as well. And what I've learned is that like your ability to just to listen and just to be there to receive what they're trying to tell you and to give you and to understand them, to show them that you actually understand where they're coming from. That is literally like, that will solve most of the problems in a relationship I've found. But when you start coming from an, a problem that she might have in terms of like, oh, have you tried this? A lot of the time it's like, they don't want you to fucking solve their problems for them. They just want to know that yeah. you care and that you, yeah. you're there to hear them, to be like the rock and the sounding board. They just want to know that you can feel what they feel in the moment. And I feel like that is a huge, huge thing that I learned um, throughout all relationships, really. Another thing for me, and last one I'm going to say is going into complete relationship mode and like forgetting your mates. Like, oh, I've done that before, man. It's so bad. Like, like I go from like the most single guy on the fucking planet to like the most coupled up guy on the planet in like the matter of months. It's happened two times now and it's, it's bad. I need to fix that. It, but that last relationship there, you were, you were just, I couldn't even recognize you. Yeah, when we came to Perth, when we went to Perth, <laughs> yeah, yeah, big switch. I remember, like, yeah, it's easy to get caught up in it. I think, like, I think because for me, it doesn't come around all that often. So I think maybe I'm like, fuck, I need to like latch onto this. And I think going forward, you gotta have that balance and like, you know, don't just go go cold um, to like the guy mates as soon as you get a missus. I think that's that's a big one that. I need to be conscious of. Just to wrap up, um, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that we joined a gym, we joined a CrossFit gym, and that reminded me of an ex- of an encounter that we had recently in the, in the gym with a guy who we were doing a workout next to him, and he was a little bit overweight, you know, bit big bigger, and yeah, strong strong as fuck, but like he was he was certainly on the bigger side, and I remember him saying to me after the workout, I was like, oh, fuck, man, I loved watching you work out. Like, you're an inspiration or something like that. Yeah, he said something like, it's good to see fire breathers like you guys just absolutely smashing it, doing yeah. like athletes like you yeah. guys. And, and honestly, it was refreshing because we're so hard on ourselves. I'm, I'm hard on myself. I'm like, fuck, you know, I'm not, I need to be better. I need to look better, whatever. But it's like, it's a reminder that just, just remember that like, you're someone else's goal. Most of the time, like if no matter where you're at, you know, no matter where you're at, like you might just be starting out, but there's most likely someone in the, someone else in the world that would look at you and go, I want to get to that point at some point. Right. So we get so caught up of where we want to be and we get like, there's people are always looking at what they don't have. Mm. So the people that you look up to are also looking up to people ahead of them, wishing that they were where they are. Yep. And that's the same with us. Like, we train hard, very hard. Like, I'd say we're both very hard on ourselves in that way. Um, And, of course, that has benefits. That's what causes us to, you know, put in the effort. But to actually... We never think about the fact that we probably are someone else's goal. I wish... And, you know, it's with girls too. I think girls are almost harder on themselves. Like, 
You know, I know people that you would know, look at and go, oh my God, like, I wish I had her skin. I wish I had her, you know, tan. And it's like, hold on a second. Like, you're like, most girls would kill to look like that. But everyone's got their own insecurities. Everyone's, everyone's got their own thing that they wish they had. And it just goes to show, it goes to say that there's always going to be someone better looking, fitter, richer, and smarter than you, more successful than you, no matter who you are on this planet, right? You know, so you got to be okay with what you've got to your, what you're working with, what you've got. That is literally the, yeah, like the main thing to focus on rather than getting caught up with what everyone else has. It's never, yeah. it's never, it will never be enough. It will never be enough, right? As soon as you make more money, it'll, it will still never be enough. If you get fitter, you get that six pack, you get tanned. Okay. I need to be more. I need to get really, even fitter than that. So it'll never be enough. And if you use it to your advantage where it's like a motivator, then it's great. But, you know, the end of the day where I heard a quote and it's like the meaning of life is enjoying the passage of time. Um, and, you know, the end of the day, what we're doing right now is we're just passing time until we die. Let's be honest. Um, in a morbid sort of perspective, that is essentially what life is about is just passing time filling the moments of the day to give us some kind of purpose. But at the end of the day, we're all dying one day. So let's enjoy it. And like, it's hard to enjoy it if you're constantly comparing yourself to something else. And that might be in your, your body. You might be your, your bank account. might be your, your, your face, like I mean, your looks. Um, and, you know, you're not going to enjoy the passage of time if you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. Fuck what everyone else is doing. Focus on what you're doing. Like... Because most people have no idea what they're doing. Like, think they do. They post that they do. You, you go to a dinner party and you go, how's it yeah, I'm good. I'm going. I'm, I'm doing all this. I'm doing that. No, you're not. You're doing just... You're, you're just figuring it out like everyone else. You're just following the motions. Another... Uh, I've spoken to a, a lot of very successful people, okay? And every single one of them, I have this idea that they are absolutely polished and all figured out. The truth is they just have the courage to do things and figure them out as they go. That courage and that faith that they have in themselves is the reason they are successful. And that's something I've picked up just on my journey, you know, through networking with people that are young and, you know, multimillionaires and they're happy with their life and they've got things that I would love, you know, that I would aspire to, to have as well. But they never figured out. It's always they just had courage and they took the action to figure things out as they go. But people are so caught yeah. up with trying to look perfect that it, they never even get to that stage. Absolutely. I mean, and people are just, you know, we talk about pretending, pretending to be enjoying ourselves in a nightclub, but pretending that you've got life figured out and you're killing it. Like everything is a show. We just, and especially with social media, like, you know, everyone is putting on a show for other people. And just be wary of that, right? Like you might look at somebody that you think has got it all and the, other, the, idea, the, the reality is that they don't. I mean, they're just, you know, they're showcasing a, a tiny portion of their life that is completely an edited version of their life. And, you know, at the end of the day, behind closed doors, you have no idea what's going on, right? Um, you know, everyone tells you that their business is doing well until they go bankrupt, a little bit of a morbid, a bit of a philosophical look on life there. But I would say the part of the reason why I think it's why we're doing what we're doing is, 
you know, do I know what the fuck I'm doing? No. Do I think, am I killing it? No, I'm not. But I'm enjoying the fact that even though, even if I fuck it up, even if it work, even if nothing, all this doesn't work out, I know that the worst case scenario isn't that bad, especially for people like us who have privilege that, you know, we have families to go back to back in our hometown that, you know, would take, would, would help us out if, if the worst thing, worst case scenario happened. Obviously that we don't want to to get there. Um, but the fact that, you know, we're doing it, having a crack, that's all I can ask for. I would hate to die wondering. I would hate to, le- to live medi- mediocrity is my biggest fear. An exercise that I often use, I think I got this from Tim Ferriss actually, and it is um, think about yourself 10 years from now and will you regret not doing the thing that you're thinking about doing? And if the answer to that is yes, well, then you have no option. You have yeah. to corner yourself and actually do the thing now because you can't, you can't, unless you want to regret your life. To me, that's not an option. So to me, there would be no, there's nowhere to go. I actually have to do the thing based on that process of elimination. Do the thing, book the flight, message the girl, you know, whatever it is. Um, I've, yeah, like, and one thing as well is people don't, People think you have to stick to one thing in life. I mean, dude, look at my resume. It's like three, four fucking pages in terms of like what I've done for work. And, you know, people would be like, oh, but you're 30 and you've got nothing. You haven't got like anything sustainable. You haven't, you don't make that much money. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't really care though. Like that's so true. When I started, an example of this is like when I started making videos on TikTok, I never thought it would turn into a property business. Really? Mm. And like here I am so that to me is crazy your path will evolve as you do so yeah you just don't try and figure shit out before you start just have faith have an idea of where you want to go aim in the general direction and just go for it you will not regret it yeah I think that's honestly a great finish to the show we you know we we started off superficial in terms of in terms of uh, substance but I think that's a great way for us to to close out this episode little bit more uh, philosophical take on life. And again, we don't profess that we know everything. We know very little. We're not telling you to, how to live life, but we're just sharing things we're learning along the way and of winging, really just absolutely winging life. And, and that's what this show is all about. So yeah, we'll wrap it up here. Um, remember guys, please give it five stars if you've listened this far. Because the only people that listen this far are the true fans of this podcast. So anyone who has any any issue or questions that they feel would they would get value out of me and Charlie talking about, DM myself or Charlie on Instagram or the Vicarious Podcast on Instagram. It's Vicarious underscore the podcast on Instagram.